For the Meat and Poultry Podcast, I'm Bob Sims, Features Editor. On this week's Meat and Poultry Podcast, Chris Carter, co-founder and chief executive officer of Porter Road Butcher Shop in Nashville, Tennessee, joins Meat and Poultry to share the company's mission and talk about its new facility in Princeton, Kentucky. The story of how the new facility came about is an interesting one. What began as the solution to an immediate problem evolved into an opportunity for Porter Road to expand its processing capabilities and move closer to its ultimate goal. Give a listen as Carter details Porter Road's next steps on its journey into the future. Chris, can you give our listeners who aren't familiar with Porter Road a little bit of the background and the company's mission? So Porter Road, James and I started Porter Road in 20, 2011. Um, uh, we were both have chef, chef backgrounds and we're working our way towards opening our own restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee, and really couldn't find meat that fit within our uh, standards of 100% pasture-raised, no, no antibiotics and no hormones, uh, readily available. There was plenty of farmers that were, were making the effort to raise animals the right way, but then just feeding into the, the commodity system for the most part. So we wanted to step in and provide that uh, availability for those farmers to have an outlet for the livestock they were raising and for the the community and the folks of Nashville to have a way to access that meat from them. Um, that grew uh, over the next five years, four years, um, where in 2015 we wanted to control more of that process and went out and purchased our own harvesting house in Western Kentucky, um, giving us the ability to be fully vertically integrated and look our customers in the eyes and tell them exactly every bit of that process that took place as we work with our farmers very closely to raise what we consider the perfect animal, then we take it over from there. Um, in 2017, we uh, launched a, uh, a wholesale business um, selling into the restaurant industry um, and food service. And in 2018, we, uh, we pulled together some uh, venture capital fundraising in order to launch uh, porterroad.com and be able to give that same access of the best meat in the country to the entire country, no matter where you were located. Um, and our mission stays the same today. We want to continue to, to grow that, be able to uh, bring more farmers into our system, paying them a higher than market wage for the livestock that they're raising, um, treat the animals as good as we possibly can, um, and then uh, dry age and butcher you know, with, with, with skill and uh, just bringing a, a whole different level to the, to the meat industry that's been missing for quite some time. Um, and today we find ourselves just currently moved into our new 28,000 square foot facility um, in Western Kentucky, a mile and a half down the road from our current, our, our old facility. All right, so thank you and congratulations on the new facility. Um, I know that was, uh, yeah, I know that was important to you guys. I know it's a big step for you. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the, what the process was like for you guys in terms of finding the facility, acquiring the facility, you know, prepping it, getting it ready? 
Uh, I know you guys, just like you said, you have a certain way that you like to do things. Can you tell me a little bit about that process? About how you found um, For sure. Yeah, so the, the facility itself, uh, uh, the buildings that, that, that encompass the, the new facility have a kind of an interesting lineage, but they, uh, the, the building where our processing is actually done, we call that the South Building. And it was originally built as a Brunswick bowling alley in the uh, 50s and then was converted into a roller skating rink. Um, the North Building, which actually holds our uh, storage and shipping, uh, it's all of our refrigeration, freezer, and shipping uh, department, was originally a produce warehouse and then a grocery store. And then in the 80s, uh, gentlemen bought the two buildings, joined them together, and turned them into a stock factory. Um, so that's, that's who we actually purchased the building from. But we purchased the building from, uh, from Steve, the previous owner, with the assistance of uh, the state of Kentucky and the city of uh, Princeton. Um, we had... Uh, a lot of assistance coming from the the uh, the IDA, the Industrial Development Association, and the EDA, the Economic Development Association of Western Kentucky, along with the Lake Barkley Association. And uh, the way that we actually got these conversations started was pre-COVID, we were ramping up, and um, I guess it was right in the beginning stages of COVID, they had stopped processing uh, cardboard for recycling. And so we had all this cardboard that was just piling up at the facility. We didn't have any way to recycle it. We were having to take it to the local city dump and pay, you know, five, $600 a week in order to dispose of all this um, cardboard that's created, you know, through our process where historically we've always recycled all of it. And I went and I sat down with one of the city planners and, the mayor, uh, Mayor Cody Young, the 26-year-old mayor of Princeton, came in and sat down with us, and we introduced ourselves and talked about what we had done in the community and what we planned to do. And you know, really told him that we wanted to expand. And um, the conversation started with uh, with uh, cardboard recycling, and then uh, ended up getting into the uh, industrial development, uh, purchasing the building on our behalf through the city. Uh, in which we, in turn, purchased the building from the city for $150. So it was, uh, you know, it was, I guess, a little bit of timing and a lot of luck and uh, just, you know, constantly knowing that we wanted to, we wanted to move and we needed to move into a larger facility. And luckily for us, we were just in a community that, that really has supported us greatly. I assume that there will be more volume and do you guys, is it still a situation where uh, the last time we talked, I know that you said the animal goes in one door and it comes out and either goes to Nashville to the store or it goes to uh, UPS to the mail order. Is that, is that still how you guys do it? So we've got we've got the three outlets, which is still the retail store in Nashville. Through our our uh, food service wholesale, um, and then through the uh, the the online 
um, cells, the direct-to-consumer cells, which are actually being delivered by FedEx today. Um, but uh, I guess the biggest difference is that we have more than one door now. So uh, we have multiple doors where things can actually be received and and uh, sent out. Where our former processing facility, we had one door to do all of those things. Receiving came through one door. Shipments went out the door. Um, so it's just... Uh, much more streamlined at this point. Okay. And uh, can you tell me, like, what's your, uh, I, I know that you've just opened the new facility. So I guess uh, right now, what's your kind of uh, food service, wholesale, retail uh, ratio of business? And, and are you, do you guys have plans to change that? You know what I mean? Like 50% retail, 25 foods. I'm making those up, but like, what, where are your numbers at for that right now? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, COVID, COVID really put a, a big focus on our direct-to-consumer business. I mean, it's something that we were, you know, working towards and, and putting most of our efforts towards. I mean, it's the growth engine of the business. Um, and what we plan to continue to, the way that we plan to continue the business, to grow the business um we do have we'll, we'll have other opportunities and other channels as we continue to scale but uh as it sits today the online business makes up about 80 percent of uh of the total business with um retail being about maybe eight percent um and wholesale making up the, the remaining 12 percent okay and uh, so let me ask you this. I know we also, before we talked about um, sort of the uh, changing the food industry and specifically the way the meat industry works in terms of, you know, concentration and centralization. Um, would you say, I mean, is this sort of the first step in, in uh, uh, attacking decentralization? Maybe that's not the right word. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I like that. I think that sounds right. Uh, okay. Um, okay, good. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. Um, but I know that like that's, that's sort of the, the, the engine behind Porter Road was to change that, you know, and and is this sort of the first step uh, in that decentralization even, effort? Right, and you know, even for us to get to the effort, or to the level that we are today, and the amount of uh, animals that are getting harvested in our system currently, our farms have had to grow immensely as well. So it's a lot of communication between, you know, our team and and our projections and our forecasts to the farmers, and the farmers are. You know, putting in uh, an equal amount of investment into their property, their land, their uh, their teams, you know, purchasing uh, livestock where necessary, ramping up on uh, on growing. Uh, and it, it takes a lot. And it takes a lot of time to do it correctly. And that's, that's one of the biggest things for us is we don't want to lose focus on that mission as we continue to grow. So... We want our farms to be able to go as you know, grow as far and as large as they possibly can without 
losing that 100% pasture raised with antibiotics and hormones and, and the quality of the meat. So as long as we can keep that quality, we want to continue to grow with those farmers. And, and we've done a great job uh, ourselves and our farmers to work together to be able to accomplish that. Now, as we do continue to scale, this is what we plan to be the first model of, of what we would like to do in other parts of the country as well. And that's how we can actually achieve that decentralization is actually taking these these types of processes and the facilities to the farmers, which if you talk to any farmer in the country, everybody has the exact same uh, issues going on. And it's just that there's no outlets available for for those livestock without going into the commodity. So it's moving into those areas, providing another outlet, another you know, channel for those farmers that want to do things the correct way um, to really be incentivized and, and, and taken care of uh, as we do pay a higher wage for them to, you know, to raise animals the correct way and be rewarded for it. So uh, let me ask you this, like, I, I suppose I could look at a map and see how close Nashville is to Princeton and and all the farms, but like, what's your guys sort of uh, radius? You know what I mean? Like, what's what's a farm that's too far away, or what's you know how far away is too far to to put a plant? You know, from from the rest of the farms, or or from a would be retail spot. You know what I mean? Like keeping that. Yeah, I mean. Currently, we don't, I mean, currently our, our animals don't, char don't travel, or do not travel more than uh, like 45 minutes to an hour. Um, now, is that going to forever be the way? I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, to grow those farms and to be able to find the right farmers, I mean, I would say something like, and this has never been discussed either, so this is coming directly shooting from the hip. So I would say, you know, maybe a hundred miles or something like that would be a, a fair radius for one facility. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty tight. You know, relatively speaking. It is, but we don't want to be we don't want to be in the business of shipping uh animals across the country in order to make it happen. We would right. rather build another facility, we'd rather bring, you know that that opportunity just like we did we we have done and are doing in princeton to provide those jobs those, those, to that workforce to those communities um you know there's a lot of things outside of just raising animals correctly that we're trying to accomplish with this process right 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 um so that being said um and i know that you guys are probably just going crazy with the new facility uh, which, by the way, I would love to come take a look at whenever the time might be right. Um, oh, that would be great. Uh, but so are there any, and this is a kind of a two-parter, and it may be way premature, but I wanted to ask it anyway. Uh, are there any, like, perspective locations for the next, what I, I, I wrote it down as Porter Road Complex, meaning like farming community, processing facility, retail space, et cetera, what you guys would, uh, you know, would kind of place down in an area 
and and what might the process of finding the next area look like for you guys? Um, I mean, the parameters will be the same, which is, you know, livestock, uh, you know, like-minded uh, ranchers or farmers in that area, a strong workforce, and then the need from the community as well. So, I mean, we will, you know, we'll reach out to the local government just as we did in Princeton. We'll reach out to the, to the state government, um, see what types of incentives are out there in order to be able to help build a facility, which, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to get any, get into any of those programs, but it's the last facility, but we, we learned so much about it. I mean, there's so much capital that's available for the USDA for um, companies like ours that are trying to bring these, uh, these processing facilities closer to these, these farmers and these ranchers. Um, I mean, that's, that's really it. But as far as uh, when and where, um, when would be, as we can, um, which is pretty loaded there because I mean, it's, you know, bandwidth, it's headcount, it's capital, all of those things to kind of drive that decision-making process. And then where, um, where is it? It's broad, but I mean, we would look for somewhere um, west of the Rockies or in that, in that general facility or vicinity. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you, Chris, that's all the questions I had. Is there anything that you want to talk about that, you know, I haven't asked about? Um, no, I don't think so. And we would be more than happy to host you if you ever find yourself in Western Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I would love to come down and see it. Um, I will, I will reach out to you guys, you know. And uh, and try to set that up. Absolutely, talk to talk to my boss. Um, but uh, well, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Do you? Let me ask you this: Do you have any new pictures? Uh, of, or I'm sorry, pictures of the new facility? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you if you want to just uh, ask Kara on that thread, the, the email thread where you guys have been connecting. Um, she can either hook you up with them or get Kat or Jeremy or somebody else on the team to send something through. Okay. Well, that's all I got. I always like to ask for permission to, to reach back out to you if I have any additional questions as I start writing stuff down. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll let you go. And thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, and you can always reach back out uh, either me directly or through Kara or Cecilia. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to be a, a contact point for you too for future stories. Awesome. I love it. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Make sure to check out all the latest stories from our monthly meat and poultry print edition and online at meatpoultry.com. Also, follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at Meat Poultry. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and a review. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.